Mindfulness Mode 368. Success is up to you. And so with those thoughts, you go, oh, it's up to me? Well, shit, I guess I better concentrate on it. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, your Mindfulness Mode life coach and, and host. It's always great to have you here, and I appreciate when you share the news about Mindfulness Mode with uh, new people so they can be introduced to the show. That's always awesome. And of course, when, when new listeners subscribe, that helps the show immensely. So thanks if you've already subscribed. I've recorded a guided meditation that you can, you can download, and it will help you to release your inner blocks. Have you ever felt like there's just something holding you back? This guided meditation will help you surrender your stress, help you become more focused so that you can raise your personal level of contentment. You can achieve more of what you want to do in your life if you have increased concentration and know how to abandon your inner blocks. So this will help you do that. It'll help you release what's holding you back, like I said, and you will hear the calming sound of waves on this 30-minute guided meditation. It's just $4.99. So to get your copy, go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash release. Have you ever heard of the classic book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? chances are you've probably heard of it and I know I've read it a number of times it's a it's a fantastic book and it has a lot to do with mindfulness you'll find that out when you read it even though mindfulness was not a word that was used back when this book was originally written well my guest today has a close connection to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Napoleon Hill is the author. And you'll find out more about how he's connected to the foundation. He's gained access to long-lost writings by Napoleon Hill. And he's now published an exciting new book called Truthful Living. I highly recommend it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview today with the wonderful Jeffrey Gittimer. Oh, and by the way, there are some choice words being used once in a while in this episode. So if you have children in the back seat, just be aware of that. You might want to shut it off. I just want to give you a heads up. So sit back, like I said, relax and enjoy today's awesome interview. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have a fantastic guest today. I have Jeffrey Gittimer with me. Hey, Jeffrey, are you in mindfulness mode today? Dude, I am so mindful. I can't stand it. (laughs) Well, I hope I can stand it because we're going to be spending a few minutes together here. Oh, cool. Cool. (laughs) I think it's going to be funny finding out how mindful you are. I'm one of the most mindful people I know. Well, that's good. Jeffrey Gittimer is an author, professional speaker, and business trainer who writes and lectures internationally on sales, customer loyalty, and personal development. He's written 13 books on sales, including the award-winning The Little Red Book of Selling, which has sold more than 5 million copies worldwide. He's been a featured speaker for the largest companies in the world for more than 20 years. You can find Jeffrey Gittimer online at Gittimer.com. That's G-I-T-O-M-E-R. And also at GittimerLearningAcademy.com. His newest book is called Truthful Living... And it's based on the first writings of Napoleon Hill. So check out Truthful Living. I will create for you today, Bruce, Uh an additional thought about what mindful really is. Oh, cool. Well, I was just going to ask that. What is mindfulness to you, Jeffrey? Share a thought. Mindfulness to me is dedicating yourself to focused thought on a single subject so that you can clarify it in your own mind, uh, both mentally and physically. And when I mean physically, I mean in writing, because I'm a writer. Right. And every morning I wake up and I write. Every single morning I write or I read or I create. And that causes me, uh, I write, I read, or I prepare. And that causes me to think and create. Those are my five, wake up in the morning, do this. Now, I've only been doing it for 25 years. Is that so, all? 
yeah, I don't know if it's working yet or not. I'm going to do it for another 25 and then that's it. I'm going to quit. I think it's working. Yeah. But yeah, 25 years. So for quite a while, you didn't do that. Didn't you just start writing when you were in your 40s? That's correct. I started writing at 46, started speaking in, at 48. And what made you decide to start writing when you were in your 40s? Somebody wrote something about me and it sucked. Uh, and I said, oh, I can write better than that guy. And I started writing, literally. And then when did you get hooked? Was it immediate? Well, I realized after my first column was published in the Charlotte Business Journal, mm -hmm. I realized that if I did a hundred of those, I'd have a book. And I did. I mean, literally, I went from, um, you know, I, I, I can't explain it, but it just worked out that way. Uh, I started to write. My first column really sucked. I go back and read it every once in a while. I'll just oh, do you? laugh. Uh, and then I made a list of all the things I wanted to write about, you know, like my subjects for the next month, because I knew I was going to be writing every, every Friday. Uh-huh. And I followed that list for about three weeks, maybe four weeks, and then I never looked back. I never looked at it again. My mind began to focus in on what the real deal was. And if I really wanted to gain notoriety, the, the first week my column appeared in the paper, a client, a potential client called up. I went to his place of business. He wrote me a retainer check for $1,000. I went back, showed it to the publisher of the business journal, and I go, okay, this is rolling. Thank you. And it never looked back. Wow. And what was your first book you wrote? The Sales Bible. Oh, The Sales Bible. Came out in September of 1994 and still in print. Well, that's pretty awesome for your first book because some people write a first book that they want to forget. That's true. Uh, that is not me. I write a book I want to remember. Right. And, and the best way that I can remember it is to write it. What do you think? I think that you did a cool job with this Napoleon Hill book, Truthful Living. That came from 25 years of writing uh -huh. and 15 years of giving value to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And then they opened it up so that you could write based on his earlier writings. Well, then they all they called me up and said, hey, we, we found these documents. Would you like to uh, edit them and annotate them? And I go, hell yeah, I would. Hell I guess. So that's what happened. Um, literally, I, I found my way to uh, um, put myself in a position of worth to the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and then they found a way to uh, help me in a, you know, monetary way. We're actually splitting the money from the book. Oh, and well, that's really cool because that's really the whole theme of the book. When you get to the very end, the great truth, you just described it. Correct. And I wanted to do it in a way that they would perceive as ultimate value. If I could create a, a, a monster of a book for them that would bring them uh, a ton of money, I, it would make me happy. And, I, you know, obviously I'm going to make money as a result of it, but uh, the book is being published by Amazon, their publishing house, not their load it up on the Internet and see if you can make a quarter a book. Right. This is the real this is the publishing house that is in competition with all the major publishing houses in the world and winning. Mm. And, and uh, the, they I have an outside PR firm that will be working on this for about three months. Uh, month and a half before, month and a half after, to get me on podcasts like yours. And well, it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. Here, let me hold it up here. So, so and so I would it. challenge the audience that it is about mindfulness. Well, I, it absolutely is from the very beginning. Yeah, I just renamed it, and the and the rename was uh, concentration. That's the old world for mindfulness. Uh-huh. And I think that once you have that, uh, you really have something. Well, concentration is, uh, let me see which chapter that was. Yeah, that he had a whole chapter on that, chapter 18, the great magic key, he called it. 
Exactly. And it takes you a little while before you figure out, okay, what is that magic key? What is it? You know, he always keeps yeah. you in suspense. Yeah. And it is, it's the old way of saying mindfulness. Yes, it is. Concentration, mindfulness. But, but concentration, the way Hill defines it, is you are concentrating on the other elements that he perceives as integral to making a person both successful and wealthy. So he wants you to have a positive attitude. You got to concentrate on that. He wants you to be self-confident. You got to concentrate on that. He wants you to have deep belief, desire. You got to concentrate on that. You have to be of service to others. You have to concentrate on that. And But you have to do it all the time. It's not some bullshit thing where you can to have a beer, watch a football game, and then go back to concentration. No. You're on it. He even says when you're on vacation. Yeah, he does. <laughs> the mind never sleeps. The mind is never turned off. And so I look at it from the perspective of, all right, I'll buy it. Uh, it's worked for me for an extended period of time. I don't watch television except for some sporting events every once in a while. And I have a philosophy about that, that I, if I'm going to watch a game for three hours, then I'll read for three hours. Uh -huh. So I'll balance that. Uh-huh time out and i don't i don't i drink four beers a year just to prove i'm not you know a, a sissy and that's why you're watching the game right uh sometimes like i'm going to germany uh for the international book fair next month i have to have a beer there i mean you can't go to germany, germany. and not have a no. beer. you know what i mean no. yeah for sure yeah i'm not gonna have a budweiser either by the way so <laughs> gonna, or a labatt's blue yeah, well labatt's blue is not bad um, but I would, I would go with, uh, some kind of spotten or girl or you know, something it's got a little bit of heat to it. Yeah. True German beer. Yeah. I might have two, actually, I might have two. I think Grolsch is Czech, but or Belgian, but you know, they're all, they're, they're all wheat based beers. They're all good. And, um, I will be happy as a lark. I don't, I drink wine in France. But I try not to in America because it gets rattled on the way over. And I don't want to, if I'll drink a Pinot, it'll be Oregon Pinot. Not, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a California guy. But uh, I, I would challenge the, the listener of yours that the reason I'm as successful as I am is because I go to sleep sober. Well, I think it makes a big difference. And people say, well, yeah, people say I'm not a morning man. Right. You're not a morning person because you go to sleep fucked up. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and if you, you go, wow, I get ten thirty in the morning. Where'd the morning go? Let me tell you where it went. It went out the window last night. So well, a lot I, of our population does that. Well, I, that's their problem. Uh, my my challenge is to myself, not to them. Whatever they do is fine. I get to wake up in the morning and be me. And, and it's cool. And that I have a, a nine-year-old that lives with me half the time, and I walk her to school. So don't tell me you got kids. I got kids. I got three other daughters and four other granddaughters. So I have family. I'm a family guy. And Jennifer, my fiance, and I, well, we concentrate on um, helping ourselves succeed and then helping others succeed. That's the focus. And with this book, this uh, Truth to Living book, Napoleon Hill, it has refocused me on my own self uh achievement and it's done it so easily it's done it so easily it's not even funny i love i loved uh, editing it but i more loved reading it into an audiobook because that made me concentrate on every single word and it was I'm sorry, mind, it made me be mindful of every single word in the book. I don't want to misinterpret this for your audience. Should I say process or process? Uh, either one. Yeah. Either one. Yeah, well, you know, Canadians are a little iffy on that kind of stuff. <laughs> they well, get, well, you know. We have a few differences, but a lot of my listeners are in U.S. anyway, so. Uh -huh. Cool. <laughs> you drink Tim Horton coffee? Yes. Yeah, figures. Yes, I do. It figures, yeah. 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 Not all the time. I don't like, I don't like the feeling of being addicted. I don't like yeah, me neither. I just don't like that about anything. And so unless it's something like that's super healthy or something, but as soon as I feel like it's got me, I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't like that feeling. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Most people don't know they're addicted. Yeah, or don't care. Yeah, well, or they'll block it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not addicted. I can quit. It's like smoking. I can quit anytime I want. I just don't want to right now. I just want, yeah, I just want to smoke or I just want to. I like it. Yeah. Makes me feel good. Yeah. I'm going to die with a pipe up my ass. But (laughs) it makes at the moment I'm feeling fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, I, you know, we have certainly have uh, mindfulness and concentration in common. I don't know that we have the same uh, criteria that goes into the concentration process, just in terms of all the things that you have to concentrate on or be mindful of. Uh, mindfulness by itself is a tough definition for somebody to, to deal with. There has to be a target. Yeah, a focus, like he talks about in the book. There has to be one main focus. Yeah. So Hill says, get a definite major aim and concentrate on that until you get it. Finish what you start. He also says, success is up to you. And so with those thoughts, you go, oh, it's up to me? Well, shit, I guess I better concentrate on it. (laughs) And hello. Because uh, in 1917, when Hill wrote this, I don't think the word mindful was there yet. Maybe No, I don't either. Yeah, mindset was there for sure, but mindful. And he also says he can't stand it when people are wallowing in self-pity and anger and they fail to see the golden ticket, he says. Right. right in- Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's woe very is, cool. Woe is me is a, is a constant within the framework of our society. It is. I, I please give me more. You know, in, in your society, uh, when you go north of New York and you find your way into Canada across the border somewhere, uh, they give you a lot of stuff. You know, they give you assistance. They give you health care. They they give you signs in French and English and equals equal typeface. I mean, they literally have the sign police going around checking things. Yeah. Um, and it's a different kind of culture. I think your culture is more serious than ours. Um, other than SCTV, I don't know that you've ever laughed. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I have actually a couple oh, cool. of times. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so you, you, you must have some American roots in there somewhere. Yeah, probably. I yeah. do spend a lot of time south of the border, you know, okay, events and of, conferences. Yeah. But, well, I'll tell you one. This is pretty interesting. Canadians call where we live North America. And we just call it America. And if you ever, if you ever, have you ever seen a weather report here? Uh huh. You go to Montana, you go to New York, you go to Minnesota, and there's a line there that, you know, on the map and nothing above it. No, I know. I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> is that crazy or what? It is. It's like, funny. <laughs> yeah. It's raining, but not in Canada. Not in Canada. Because there is no anything. Canada. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Right. And now our, our presidents are in a fucking fight. And, you yeah. know, it's just bullshit. Yeah. There's a fight going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are always fights going on, but, uh, you know, you got to kind of, I think, ignore that and just focus on what works for you, what your thing should be. That's what he talks about in the book. Right. right? He says, focus on yourself first, yeah. make yourself the best person you possibly can be, and then give it out, whether it's as a father or a business person or a doctor or a lawyer, whatever it is, you can't be a great lawyer unless you're a great person. You can't be a great dad unless you're a great person. You can't be a bit, a great business person unless you're a great person. It's just that. Yeah. yeah. And he says, give more, give more than you expect to receive. Right. That's pretty cool. Isn't it? That's how I got the whole deal. That's uh, I giving more. I, I told the, the Napoleon Hill Institute, okay, I'll do your newsletter and I'll do it on one condition. And they said, what's that? I said that you never pay me a dime. And that, that is, that's like a showstopper. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm going to do it as a thank you for Napoleon Hill showing me the path to a positive attitude. How can I ever repay that? And so we've been doing the newsletter for 15 years. And now finally they're like, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? Cool. And yeah, it is cool. And is that how you got on the right path in your 40s? Or were you on the right path before that? I was always on the right path. I was always giving more than I was receiving. Always, always. So what were you doing before you were writing? I was in business for myself. I manufactured 
um, leisure furniture in the late 60s. I manufactured imprinted sportswear in the 70s. I had a consulting firm in the in the 80s, actually still manufacturing sportswear until 84. Um, I owned a couple of trade and technical schools. And then in 88, I moved to Charlotte and started writing in 92. And that changed everything. I mean, that literally, I went from an expert to an authority uh-huh. because my words were in print. And that makes you much more substantial is all I'm saying. So you've and, always had a, a winning mindset. Yes, always. Always wanted to um, think of myself as a winner. I always thought my outcomes would be good. I was raised in a family that was somewhat upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I belonged to a country club, uh, parents paid for college, that kind of thing. Where so did I, you, where did you live when you were a kid? I lived in New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. Uh-huh. I lived in Haddonfield, New Jersey, Atlantic city, New Jersey, Haddonfield, New Jersey, and then Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and then moved to, to Florida for a little while. And then Indiana for a little while, and then back to New Jersey for a little while. And now Charlotte. Right. Charlotte is wonderful. I've I've been there. I've I've lived there there for 30 years. It's like, I don't want to tell too many people how good it is. It might get crowded. (laughs) Well, I enjoyed it when I was there. It seemed like a great place. Yep. It's a very, it's an unbelievable place. So uh, I'm going to challenge your listeners that um, Truthful Living is a, is a book that will change minds and mindfulness. It will give people a different way in your group of, of uh, listeners, a different way to think of how to be mindful. I agree. It is how to concentrate on what you believe is most important to you. And if you get that mindset, then you're going to start winning in a way where you're, you're, it's almost surprising to you. And you wake up in the morning, you're more directed. During the course of the day, you're more productive. Um, I actually stopped playing games on my phone. I was playing intellectual word games. I, I started out with with uh, Angry Birds. Oh yeah, because it was so easy to play, and it was a great victory when you got the final bird. I so I, I finally got off of that, and then I started playing word cookies and word bubbles, where you get ten letters or eight letters, and you got to make words out of them. So it's a thoughtful game, but it was occupying too much of my time. So I gave it up completely. One day I just said, stop. And it's amazing now. And when I go to my phone, I never go to the game. I always go to something that will make me more productive. I do what's next rather than just say, well, I'll take five minutes out and just, you know, shit around and play a game. Uh, No, not good. Because Arson Sweat Martin in 1907 said, never underestimate the value of spare minutes. Mm, That's a good quote. It's a real good quote. Yeah. Because we think, oh, I need a break. I deserve a break. Or I I just need to do something to relax or whatever. We have all all kinds of excuses. Yeah. Um, Whatever the break is. People need a break because they don't like what they do. I don't need a break. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm older. Maybe I need a nap, but I don't need a break. <laughs> yeah. I need a nap once in a while. Yeah. But you just, you just keep on writing. That's your central I do focus. I on writing. And how do you come up with this? I don't know. I'm smart. I don't, I, I don't, there's no part back in here where I can like, this is how I come up with it. It's a, it's a secret. <laughs> I don't, because I don't, it's, it's a deep secret. It's so, the secret is so deep, I don't even know. <laughs> well, don't you always have a list of things you want to write about? My shirt? Oh, let's see your shirt. It's a, it says, I nap periodically. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. It's a thinking man's t-shirt today. Well, and you've got your, uh, your podcast info behind you. Yeah, uh, uh, Sell or Die is now. Sell or Die. It's a lot of fun to listen to. You know, you, you and Jennifer on there. You have great banter back and forth. We just crossed 100,000 downloads a month. Cool. Um, it's, it's been a pretty interesting journey. We have great staff of people. I mean, people that actually know the business yeah. of podcasting. 
and we have gone to daily. We do something every day and uh, we mix it up to where sometimes we have a guest and sometimes we don't. Um, you can be, you know, I would really like to, to you to consider uh, being on our podcast to talk about how do you interview somebody? What kind of questions do you ask them to be able to make the interview more compelling? And do you have to stay on your subject? Suppose they wander and they go someplace else. Do you wander with them? I think you just remain mindful. You remain aware. And yes, you go with them if it serves your audience, if it mm -hmm. serves, you know, the overall uh, of the, the goal of the show. But if not, then no, you don't go with them. You um, keep on track. Do most of the people that you interview, have, have they written some kind of book? No. Uh, some of them have, but no, not, not all of them. They don't Do you read their authors. book if they have one before the interview? I almost always do. Yeah. That's but, cool. Yeah, I almost always do. And if I can't read the entire book, I at least read three quarters of it, you know, and, and skim through a bit of it, but read all, all the rest of it. Yeah, I really like reading the books. That's one of the huge perks for this. You know, I get to read awesome books. And a lot of times before they've been even published. And when does your book publish? Uh, October 30th is the That's launch date. But if you're anywhere in the world, you can go to Amazon.com in your world and pre-buy the book. And it will ship to you on October 30th. And I'll even be able to order the Audible and hear you yeah, yeah, read yeah. it. Right? I read the book myself, yeah. That's cool. When when will that be available? Same date? I think, yeah. And they're, they're pushing for that. I'm not a thousand percent positive, but I do believe that it will be available. Certainly the Kindle version uh, will be available. And the audio book, I believe, will be available too. It's, it's already recorded and it's already been edited by us. So I can't imagine that it wouldn't be ready to roll because it's a download. I love how you've got all these full page quotes, mm -hmm. you know, you've got lots of content, lots of content. And it's the kind of book that you just, I just want to keep coming back to. I want to keep picking it up, read a little more, read it again, read a little more, read it again. And then all these full page quotes, which really make it so clear what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, that was uh, by design, of course. But if you just, anybody who's thinking, should I buy Truthful Living or not? Go to Amazon and just look at the table of contents. If that doesn't give you enough of a, of a, a feeling like, wow, this book is for me. You know, if I had but one wish, the great magic key, the time, the most precious thing in the world, seven success rules, Adopt the chief aim in life. Come on. The law of harmonious attraction. Yeah, I Whoa, love that. Come on. Instead of just the law of attraction, the law of harmonious attraction. Exactly. I have um, renamed that law 100 years later to the law of value attraction. Uh -huh. Because if there's no value, what the hell am I attracted to? It's like a moth going to a light bulb. You get there and it's like, why am I doing this? Well, unfortunately, a lot of us do do that. We do attract stuff to our lives right. that we shouldn't be or we don't actually want. Well, most people are go to the shiny object. We are, as a society, mollified by shiny objects, whether it's a car or a watch or a television or a new dress or whatever it is. We sort of, like lemmings, go to the department store or the online store or Amazon and, and buy stuff. And that's the world counts on that. I do it. You know, I, I want to buy what's right for me. I, I, I use Dragon for Mac and I've got this new Mac and wasn't working right. So I, I got a new microphone just to talk into my computer. Right. I quote, had to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, if I had a quarter for everything I had to buy, I could probably, you know, I'd have thousands of dollars for stuff that uh, yeah. I didn't actually need. But what I do now with, with this book is I'm reading a little bit of it again every day, just a little in the morning. And what happens is I come across a quote and it makes me stop and think. It literally makes me stop. Education comes from within. You get it by struggle and effort and thought. Okay, cool. Ambition is a contagious thing. 
if you give it to the world, the world will give it back to you in increased measure. But keep it unto yourself and you will lose it. It will take wings and fly. Whoa. So there has to be a sharing aspect of what you do. There has to be a giving aspect of what you do. My father taught me to give without measuring. And that's a good, that's a good thing to keep in exactly. mind. Exactly. And what he told me to do is when some, Jeffrey, you said, when someone comes to borrow money from you, don't lend them money, just give it to them. Mm. And that way you don't have to worry about being paid back and losing a friend because they didn't pay you back a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever it was. I thought, man, eh, pretty damn cool. Yeah, that is cool. And I've done that all my life. Well, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, didn't that sell millions and millions and oh, millions yeah. of copies? Oh, yeah, that was just the literally the third or fourth iteration of his philosophy. But it's referred to as his magnum opus, because right. that's the one that has sold the most. Now, could this outsell it? Um, I don't know. The book is, you know, Hill's book has been around since 37. So it's, you know, it's, we're now in its 80th year. Mm -hmm. um, I, this book would have to be 80 years old in order to catch up to it. So, but it, will it sell a million copies? Oh yeah. In a heartbeat. It'll Definitely. sell copies around the world. I'm, you know, I'm going to go to the Frankfurt book fair uh, in a few weeks and we'll have it in 30 languages within a year. So I'm convinced that it will be very well read and sought after. Then the question is, what's its longevity? And no one can predict that. No. Well, I I can predict it. I think I'm gonna <laughs> be I think I'm gonna be reading this book uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years yeah. from now because I think it's gonna be on my shelf and I'll just pick it up and exactly. be looking at those quotes. If, and if you're a thinker, you're gonna read it. This, this book is clearly for thinkers and for doers. Uh, it will give you an action plan and it will, in many cases, I, I had a talk with a young man who, who read the book uh, this past week and he said, it reinforced many of the things that I was doing. So when I came to something that I wasn't doing, I committed myself to do it. Like it was half nodding your head and the other half, oh shit, I'm not doing that. Right. Or I'm not doing that well enough. So it's a, it is a, a, a game plan of the mind and then a game plan of action. You know, yeah. um, I think that our, our um, thought process merges when Hill says thoughts are things or thoughts become things. And that's yeah. a definition of mindfulness. If you, if you think about something long enough and you haven't done it yet, it becomes actionable because you justify whatever it is to yourself. And maybe you've justified it to others. And all of a sudden it becomes a thing. And he, he'll tell you that, think about the telephone, th you know, think about the, the automobile. They were all thoughts. And then it manifests themselves into something amazing. You know, where would we be without the airplane? Yeah, and that's exactly how he starts out Think and Grow Rich, about talking about yeah. thoughts. Thoughts are wonderful things. And then he goes from there. Yep. And, and, it, I and wish it is. That's said, mindfulness. I wish you would have said thoughts become things. And the, the uh, Think and Grow Rich uh, <laughs> is interesting in that it needs a comma. Think, comma, and then grow rich. Yeah. But, you know, he was just like anybody else who's writing a book. Let the, let the reader figure that out. Well, that's right. And, and he lets you figure out a lot of stuff. He just doesn't come right out and tell you. He, right. he wants you to exactly. figure There's it out. There's as much between the lines as there is on the lines. Yeah. Yeah, he has that way of writing. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I want to ask you a, a story about when you were growing up, a story about when you were a kid. What inspired you? What made you tick? What did you love? Well, I was in a neighborhood in Atlantic City, New Jersey, up until the fourth grade. And I want you to think about when you were in the fourth grade. You were nine or ten years old. Yeah. And 
your parents were most likely more protective, but they started to be protective. Now, when I was 10 years old, it was in the 50s. There was hardly any traffic. There was hardly any. And I rode my bike all over Margate and Atlantic City with my friends or by myself. Without even thinking about it. Yeah. Second grade, third grade, fourth grade, I was riding my bike. Yeah. In the street. And, you know, there weren't a lot of cars. It was a very residential neighborhood, although it was Atlantic City. In the summer, there would be more traffic. But the winter, there was none. Yeah. And we'd ride down to the beach, play football on the beach, and play all kinds of sports or ride your bike on the boardwalk at 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning, walk to school, of course. And, uh, you know, that was that was part of the deal. But it was clearly a safer and different time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, think about the crime in those days when uh, 20 years before when, man, not even 20 years before, 10 years before when Lindbergh's baby was was kidnapped. That was that's still in the news. Yeah. I mean, we probably have 85 kidnappings a day in this country right now, and they don't even get reported. There's so damn many of them. Yeah. Occasionally you hear about one, but it's rare. And did you like to read as a kid? No, not really. Um, I read. Just like to play outside. I, well, let's put it this way: when The Godfather came out as a movie, I had already read the book. Oh. So I was reading. I belonged to the science fiction book club, but that, was I like a voracious reader? No, but I read, and I read pretty frequently. But I never considered myself quote a reader because in college I never read the book. I avoided the book like the plague. I yeah. would listen as intently as I could. Then I'd buy the cliff notes, you know, yeah. and try to fake my way into a into a better grade. And it, my faking was not very good. Oh, so it didn't work usually. No, but I did get an A in English composition, which nobody else in the class could do. So I knew I, w- I, knew I had writing within me. I just didn't realize that it would become a vocation. And were you ever bullied as a kid? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was actually, um, cause I'm Jewish. And so people tend to pick on Jews. I don't know why. Um, but one, when I first went to, went to Haddonfield junior high school, um, which I think they called central school. I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, the playground and some kid came up to me, Bill Campbell. He said, you knew? I said, yeah, I am. He said, you know, we don't really, we don't really like Jews. Like, seriously? And uh, he like cocked his fist at me. And another kid, Robbie Alliger, stepped in front of me and knocked this kid down to the ground with one punch. Really? Yeah. And we're still friends. Alliger and I are friends. The the guy that picked on me died. Mm. You know, just within a decade or two. Uh Uh-huh. Robbie Alliger and me, we talk, we text, we email, you know, we do my high school class, which is about to go through its 55th reunion, by the way, which is pretty cool. We're going to meet up down in Atlantic City or Cape May and hang out for a couple of days and shoot the shit. That's very cool. I will also tell you, we had, um, this is pretty interesting growing up. I went to a high school that's one of the top ranked schools in the United States, always the top ranked school in New Jersey, Haddonfield Memorial High School. And uh, we we're at my 50th reunion. We were all sort of walking around and we came to the front office. And I felt like I was in Catcher in the Rye and I was holding Caulfield just standing there. And I was wanting to write fuck you somewhere just yeah. to make it, you know, official. But I, I did not. And the question came up, what was the most important thing about our high school education? And everyone agreed it was grammar. Hmm. We took a grammar test in that school every single day for four years. And imagine how that's played out for me as a writer to not, totally. you know, to know the difference between there, there and there, or to know the difference between your and your. And when you see it misdone, you're thinking that guy's an idiot. 
Yeah, I see that all the time on social media. I'm thinking like people don't know the difference between T-O and T-O-O. And right. they don't know possessives at all, you know, T-H-E-I-R or T-H-E-R-E. The well, people don't know a lot of this country. Stuff. You don't need to be possessive. Everything belongs to everybody else. <laughs> That's one of the problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's funny. Well, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so what book were you most excited about writing? You've written 13 of them. Yeah, fourteen. I'm, I'm always excited about the, the, the next one, but the little gold book of Yes Attitude clearly is my um, somewhat autobiographical a journey to attitude. And that very helpful for me to write. Someone asked me how long it took to write it. I told them 60 years. Uh, um, but, but, uh, the new book is always the best book. And I, while I didn't, I didn't write this book, Napoleon Hill wrote the original language. I just edited it. Yeah. And I left his words intact completely. I took out portions of the book that weren't germane to truthful living because it started <laughs> out as a, a sales and an advertising course. And then at the end of every lesson, Hill wrote about the, the foundations of, of achievement. And when I realized that the whole foundation of what led to thinking grow rich was in these initial lessons, I, I was went crazy with excitement. Well, I love how you preface each chapter. And yeah. then at the end, yeah. you talk about what you can do, how you can implement this in today's world. That's what makes it so real. Yeah. There, there is enough, uh, instruction in the book just to how to how to look at this how to read it and then i occasionally i'll throw my two cents in inside of a chapter and then i end with how can you implement this and i make the implementation plan so simple or so simple sounding that yeah. people might actually start to do it you never know yeah i you never know who's going to read the book you never know how it's going to impact them you never know who's going to become something better than they are right now. So I, I write the book for everybody, knowing that 20% of the people that read it will go to the moon. I just don't know which 20%. No, we never do. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm impressed. I think it's a great book. I want to ask you five quick answer questions, sure. Jeffrey, if that's okay. Go, go. Who's one person, tell me this, who's one person who has influenced your mindfulness? I'm going, you know, I, besides Napoleon Hill, the person who has most influenced me was Earl Nightingale uh. because I would listen to what he was saying in a recorded message and I would get stuck on a thought and realize that another three or four minutes of the, of the recording had gone by and I didn't listen to any of that because I was, so I was always backtracking. I was always hitting reverse to go, wait, 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 what did he say there? And he made me think more than anybody just in terms of who I wanted to become and what I had to do in order to get there. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Having been through a few divorces, um, having uh, children, um, grandchildren, you have to concentrate on their success and their safety and their happiness and their well-being, their health. Um, everyone has their issues in life and I try to pay attention to what everyone needs from me as a father or a grandfather, but I first make certain that I'm okay myself. I can't be the best dad in the world unless I become the best person in the world. And I can just, that's, you can substitute dad for anything else you want, driver, teacher, writer, whatever. You, it starts out with you as a great person. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. I used to breathe a lot better, I think, when I was meditating. Uh -huh. um, I, you kind of Meditation is one of the things where you get in the habit of it, and then you get out of the habit of it. Easy right. to do, easy not to do, Jim Rohn. Yeah. And I should breathe better. The one thing that I have learned to do is breathe as a speaker. So I speak from my diaphragm rather than from my throat. I'm well aware of that process because I've had a couple of throat operations. I've, heredity has caused a couple of polyps on my vocal folds. Mm -hmm. And after they were removed, I literally went to speech therapy to relearn how to fill my diaphragm with air and then ex expel it as I'm speaking. 
and take that breath before I start to speak again. So it's, it's a habit now. So I guess I probably concentrate on breathing more than most people without actually thinking about it. But I speak from here, not from here. It's a breathing thing. Your new book, Truthful Living, is a book that we both mentioned is totally about mindfulness. Do you have any other books that you would recommend that are about mindfulness or sort of related to it? Anything that has been written before 1940 has some kind of mindful thought process to it. If you go back and in, in, in this book itself, whoa, stop the Bible. In this book itself, if you go to the last pages, you'll see a reading list that Napoleon Hill recommends. Uh -huh. Books you ought to read. Every one of them reeks of mindfulness. Every one of them will cause you to stop and think and consider new information and make you think in terms of yourself. Mindfulness is a process that says, okay, what can I do to make me think better for me and achieve better for me? And it also reveals in Napoleon Hill's mentors without actually saying, hey, these guys redirected my thoughts. So when you see Arson Sweat Martin's name in there a half a dozen times in a, in a list of 10 books, you go, whoa, I think something's going on here. So think about that. The difficulty in finding an old book and reading it is it's not written in contemporary language. Exactly. And so yeah. you have to read it slower and interpret it more, but I can promise you there's gems there. So I look at Martin as one of the people. I look at Dale Carnegie as one of the people. I look at certainly Earl Nightingale as one of the people that will create mindful thought for me. And I would challenge the audience to do the same thing. Uh, there's also a group of books by Albert Hubbard, uh, who lived near Canada, by the way, in, in East Aurora, uh, New York. Oh, yeah. And he wrote Message to Garcia in 1899 and about 200 other things during his lifetime. Very prolific. Died in 1917 on the Lusitania. So in a 20-year in a period of time, literally, he produced a lifetime of work. I got to check him out. I haven't yeah. read anything by him. Uh, just start out with Message to Garcia. Okay. I will. Thanks for that. And yeah, no I'll put all this in our show notes as well. Mindfulnessmode.com. You can check it out. And uh, do you use any apps or recommend any apps which help you to be more mindful? Yes. And this is pretty interesting. I use Dragon for Mac. I dictate my book. Mm. I don't type on a type key because I'm concentrating on my own thought. And when I use my thought in conjunction with the keys on the keyboard and I hit the wrong key, I wreck my thought process. Mm. I have to go back and look for P or backspace or put a comma in. I don't do that. I just say what I'm thinking and then I go back and edit. And did you always do this from back in when you were in your 40s? No, no. My dragon used to suck. Yeah, I know, uh, but I thought maybe you still dictated and had had somebody. Like, I did. I dictated to other people. You're correct. I did. Oh, okay. So you did yeah. do that. Okay. And I started that out. I'm going to say, not with the sales bible, but clearly by the little red book I was dictating. Right. But sometimes I type. You know, I have a million characters in my machine, and they're all hand typed. But my preference is to go immediately to microphone mode. Hmm. Well, I'm inspired by you as a writer. Thank you. Uh, I really am because you've you've uh, just written so much content that is easy to digest and so valuable, you know, in terms of sales and helping people move forward in their business. Because after all, we all need to know how to sell. Correct. Regardless of what it is that you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, if you're a nurse, you're going to try to sell uh, the, uh, the encouragement for the patient to live. And my wife is a nurse. She's a critical care nurse. So she's dealing with families all the time. She has to sell stuff. Believe me. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Yeah. Well, Gittimer.com is where to find you, but GittimerLearningAcademy.com is also where to find you. Yeah. You can get my online 
academy slash university, call it what you will. Uh, there's a sales assessment, there's a sales certification, there's about a thousand hours worth of worth of valuable content that I've recorded here in our studio. What you're looking at in the background is a, a microcosm of what's in front of me. Mm. You know, there's about a thousand square feet here as a studio and we record on a green scheme. Anytime you see one of my YouTube videos, I did it most likely in the studio or some part of my home. Right. Um, I'm starting to do more Facebook live. I did one last night. It's already up to a couple thousand views. Cool. Yeah. Well, I love, I love your sell or die podcast. It's a lot of fun because you, you know, you have great banter, but at the same time, you always have great content as well. So you kind of have a a great balance. Well, show up. You could be a great guest. I would love to be a guest on your show. Be a lot of fun. Well, we'll, we'll challenge your gray matter, uh, all the way up to the gray cup, whatever the gray cup is. Okay, well, I'm not much of a sports fan, so I, I would have some gray matter problems when we were talking sports. I got it. <laughs> um, you're from Canada, aren't you? Like, yes. born with a hockey puck in your... Uh, well, the, the hockey puck was out on the street anyway. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's very true. Yeah. That's All right, so I'm, um, I'm very grateful to you for the opportunity to talk about Truthful Living. Um, if you're listening still, go to Amazon pre-buy the book, Truthful Living, Napoleon Hill, Jeffrey Gittimer. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. And go to Gittimer.com and it's G-I-T-O-M-E-R. If you're working out at the gym or whatever, G-I-T-O-M-E-R. Go to that website, get the book, Truthful Living. It's awesome. And it's been awesome talking with you, Jeffrey. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you. I'll meet you at Tim Hortons in Toronto. Uh, definitely. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, Bye all the best. Much. Cheers. Th- thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Release Your Overwhelm Guided Meditation for $4.99. Abandon your inner blocks, surrender your stress, and become more focused with the calming sound of the waves and reminders about how you can release your blocks that are holding you back. Download this full-length 30-minute guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com release. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>